Welcome back to another edition of the Parkrun Adventurers Podcast. My name is Scott Trickett. Welcome, Mel Urbacker. Thank you, Scotty. It's been so long since I've spoken to you or seen you. How have you been? <laughs> um, I've been much better, actually, since I saw you last. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. <laughs> because you were in a bit of pain when I saw you over I the was. weekend. We, we spent Parkrun morning together this week, which was, it was exciting for me. Well, we park runs in the, ran in the same location. I wouldn't say we spent it together on account of you were going for a PB and I was just going to try and get my sorry behind around the course Hell, Mel, you're without just, making the volunteers wait for five hours. You're just focusing on the run. Park runs so much more than the run. We chatted beforehand. We went out for coffee afterwards. <laughs> I look at it as we spent most of Saturday morning together. Okay, fair enough. And it was a good morning. I I attended Coburg Park Run for the first time, got my adventure on on one of the high seas. So now I think I've only got two more seas to become a pirate. Pretty and, exciting. Yeah. Do you agree with my judgment that I've, I've officially put it in my top three? Ah, it was spectacular. Really, really beautiful course. I can see why you've got it in your top three because it has no fewer than three bridges that you cross, as well as just being stunningly set amongst beautiful nature and uh, water. And it's got everything that you want in a park run. It was shady and it was undulating and it was windy and just something different to look at the entire time so gorgeous gorgeous course and very friendly volunteers which of course pretty much everywhere you go they're very friendly volunteers but this these guys were no exception yeah and it's got that uh, the numbers aren't the numbers are quite small you know they're not at a hundred so it does have that really friendly uh, I know everybody feel about it there's no cue. It was very intimate, yes. And I did like my top 100 finish, <laughs> even though it took me an hour 12 to get around the course. Yeah, I got a top 10 finish, which was very exciting Show for off. me. It doesn't happen very often <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and did you get the PB that you were aiming for? I got a Coburg PB, which I've got to admit I was pretty happy with. I had my mate along who agreed to pace me. Now, in the back of my mind, I was going for my all-time parkrun PB, but I did tell him I wanted a Coburg PB, and I told him the time, and we actually ran exactly the time, so I'm, I'm pretty chuffed with that. But I've got this thing at the moment, and it's ironic that I've got a little bit of vertigo. I've got a little bit of vertigo going on, and it, it seems to trigger when I run over bridges. Oh, no. Yeah, it's so... It's like... It's like your kryptonite. <laughs> it is a bit. So there's a big bridge at Coburg, and coming back, we we hit the bridge, and I just I, I start to feel all dizzy, and I have this um, desire to throw up, and it just ruined my time because I had to slow down to make sure that I didn't throw up. But how's the irony that the man who loves bridges <laughs> gets sick when he runs over bridges? Yeah. I'm glad you can oh, laugh. You're gonna about have it. It's, I'm laughing with you. Okay. 
Scotty. <laughs> you might not realise you're laughing, but you are on the inside. <laughs> no, I am I laughing because it's funny. I think <laughs> what you might need to do next time you bring a pacer is actually tell them the pace that you want to do. <laughs> if you've got this in the back of my mind pace, um, unless they've got, you know, ESP, they're not going to know what that is. Yeah. So they're just going to help you get what you actually tell them to get. Um, so what... What was the, the difference between your previous and your now Coburg PB? Like, what was the time difference that you ended up taking off? I, I, that's a good question. I don't know. A couple of minutes, maybe? Maybe a minute? Oh, wow. That's I don't, huge. I, I don't know. I just wanted a good Coburg time because Coburg, it's a pretty tough course. There are some hills in it. and that's, Absolutely. That, that tends to slow me down a bit. So if I'd got my PB at Coburg, I would have been super chuffed. But I've missed it by about 18 seconds or something like that. You mean if you got your overall PB, your yeah. overall parkrun PB? Because you did get your Coburg PB. I did. Yes. So that's good. And so you got... Congratulate you, yourself on that. Yeah. Did you get a PW? I don't think so. Okay. Well, good Good on you for that. Yeah. I, well, it was it was a PB for the Coburg course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, the, the only way is up. <laughs> for me, when I go back to Coburg, well, presumably, I could have another shocker of a of a day. But um, next time, I won't be six months pregnant and having glute issues. You, you, you're glad you did it, though. You're glad you soldiered on and pushed through it. And the, it wasn't a fast time, and the, and the tail runner was fantastic. She was a lovely, lovely tail runner, and I also had the pleasure of... Ivona and Kasha's company, so can't argue about the company that I got to spend the morning with. No, it was it was a lovely, it was great because um, yeah, the tower runner Catherine, she is local, and so she was able to give us all sorts of local knowledge about the event. And she's an avid volunteer as well, and she'd already been for a run before she started, so she was quite happy to mosey along at our pace, which was great. Yep. So a good morning was had. Absolutely. Coburg Park Run. And nice to stretch my legs and have a Victorian adventure again. It's been a year since I've been down your way. Yep. And we turned on the weather for you, which was lovely. You did. You turned it off again after the first <laughs> two days. But that's all right. We, um, we don't need good weather to eat our way around Melbourne. And that's pretty much what we did the rest of the weekend. So... And so how no long before you moved though. down? <laughs> that depends on how long it takes Adam to work off the three croissants he ate this morning. <laughs> um, he still wasn't properly hungry by dinner time. But we got actually, I, I utilised the Parkrun Tourism AU Facebook group for a little bit of... Um, information about the local area and what we should go and see and do and things like that and everybody was amazing with all their comments and we probably knocked off oh, uh, maybe not 50% but a good portion of the recommendations for places to eat and things to do and things to see so um, if anyone isn't a member of that group yet who listens to this podcast, I would highly recommend you join because it's not just about sharing your parkrun adventures. It's about getting information from other people that are in 
those areas that you're going to go on adventures to and everybody is so generous with their knowledge and so much better than doing the normal boring tourist stuff you know we got to go see fairy penguins at St Kilda which a lot of the locals didn't even know were there so it was very cool yeah I must admit great weekend we've been driving down to Phillip Island for years to take our daughter who loves the penguins and yeah we went to St Kilda Pier and they were everywhere no crowds, yeah. didn't have to pay anything. <laughs> it was great. They literally kept secret. walk in front of you, across you. Amazing. Yes, so um, we it might take another couple of uh, long weekends visits before I'm convinced to move down. And they probably need to be sunny out more consistently than 50% of the visit. Because I do live on the Sunshine Coast and that's pretty attractive. Yeah, well, we offer the contrast, so... And the food. Yeah. Give it, give it a few more visits. I think uh, Adam's already there, so just a few more and you'll be there. <laughs> uh, one thing's for sure, I would need to run a lot more so as not to double in size. <laughs> That's my problem. If I live down that way. That's why I run so much. <laughs> <laughs> For the second time on the couch with Coach Steve, we have Coach Steve. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for ha- having me back. Now, Coach, this is um, we want to talk to you today about some tips for injury prevention. Scotty and I both have some little niggles at the moment, and my niggles aren't actually originally from running, but they've you know come from other things so I'm keen to know about injury prevention because I had a very painful park run on Saturday and it's all relating to my piriformis and you know sciatic nerve and all those fun sorts of things so what can you tell us about injury prevention for runners? Yeah, it's a pretty big area like uh, like most sports. It's about your body adapting to what you do and part of that is uh, trying to stay on the uh, knife cut's edge of going too far. So, you know, everyone's different. As you said, for you, it may, it may be an old injury you're carrying from a different sport, from a different past life life activity or it might be running from your running, an injury from your running. So really injuries stem from certain areas and the key with injuries and prevention is understanding a few things and the main way I deal with both my athletes and my clients as an osteopath is I look out, first of all, what they're doing. Um, it's no coincidence that I see swimmers for shoulder problems and runners for leg problems. It's not because of their bodies. It's what they do to their body. So the first thing I look at is really what are, are they doing. Um, and the second part is you might get an injury. It might be a knee or it might be an ankle or it might be a hip. But I don't just look at what the injury is. I look at what the cause is. Um, and that's, I guess, where... Generally, as an osteopath, we may differ from a physio, a chiro, or a myotherapist. Um, as an osteopath, we kind of look at things from a holistic point of view. We don't just try to treat the symptom, e.g. you might have knee pain. We try to look at the cause, what's actually causing that knee pain. And people often ask, what's the difference between a physio, chiro, osteo? Uh, firstly, I'll tell you, I'm very biased in what I say because I'm an osteo. I love being an osteo, and I chose to be an osteo over, over the others. So this is always taken with a grain of salt. The way I view most injuries is an osteo will view it as a um, 
whole point of view, you know, not just what the symptom is, what the cause is. Uh, we use methods like the physios. We can use hands-on, soft tissue, that sort of stuff. Uh, we can give some exercises. I myself have got a sports science degree, so in terms of exercise and that, I'm very good at as well for my other degree. Whereas not, uh, physio may also use ultrasound. Um, a chiropractor does more adjustments. We've all heard of uh, manipulations, whether it's the back, the neck, the hip, the ankle. As an osteopath, we can also do that. Uh, and then a massage and my therapist does a lot of massage and needling. From my point of view, as an osteo, I do a bit of what all of them do and combine it with a different theory. Um, yeah, so with injuries, you've got to understand what the injury is, why it's there. And I guess once you understand why the injury is there, you can work on uh, either preventing it from happening or managing it, if that kind of makes sense to you guys. It does. Steve, you're big on the drills and not so big on the stretching part to avoid injury. Am I right there? Oh, I'm big on the drills and I'm big on stretching at the right time. So in my first year as a sports scientist, we learned that pretty much if you go out and do a 4K warm-up in Melbourne's winter and then you stop for 20 minutes to stretch, well, you're actually cooling down. Um, they've also done research with in stretching after you've stretched for a period of time there's actually a small time where your actual muscles being stretched and it's actually at a weakened point so that's why I'm more with active stretching and active warm-up as opposed to static where you sit down and stretch and uh, drills are a beautiful way to actually do two things prepare the body for the event by warming it up and getting you through the full motion but also does it in warming up stretching the muscles in those things as well so, so just to clarify, what exactly is a drill? Yeah, that's an, that's an excellent point. Um, so drills, are, you often see athletes before their event, they'll go for a little warm, they'll come back, and they often do drills that work out like maybe like high knees, heel flicks. Um, uh, there's all like they call the A step, the B step. There's different drills, and probably half of them work on your actual technique of running. So it takes your legs through the uh, biomechanics of the actual movement of running and the other half actually work at range. So things will actually loosen your hips up, loosen your knees, loosen your feet up. So yeah, drills either working through the range of motion of your joints to prepare them for the activity you're about to do, e.g. run, um, or it's also there to actually get the muscle getting faster and quicker so it's ready to um, handle the load when you take off at 100%. And so you don't just go from zero to 100 without tearing anything. So is that the same as, as what you would call dynamic stretching? Um, so dynamic stretching can relate to that in a way, but it's not exactly that. So dynamic stretching is just going through some movements. And I guess that's probably the more basic form of some drills and um, active stretching, which is what dynamic stretching is. So it's kind of almost like your more basic, simple forms. And it's uh, depending on the athlete, the event, um, as to what you go through it. An example is a marathoner doesn't need to be quite as sharp and springy before their marathon as a 100-meter sprinter before their race. So you often see sprinters in the short events doing a lot more. They might start off these dynamic stretches and get to a lot more explosive sort of drills and build up that way, whereas generally the longer the distance, you can just go through some ranges and some gentle um, more dynamic stuff if that makes sense again it does the the um drills sound to me like <laughs> muscles ready to go twang in the wrong way <laughs> if you don't know how to do them 
Ah, oh, you're spot on there. And there's so many different drills too. It's uh, there's just so many different drills. It depends, you know, what sort of athlete you are, what movements do you need to throw your hips up, your knees. Is it a biomechanical pattern you're trying to teach your body? So doing drills are great if you know how to do them properly. It's like most things. Um, think of jumping in a pool to go for a swim. If you just jump in the pool and start moving your arms and legs, it doesn't mean you're going to go anywhere quick. So technique's really important. So you can actually be not just efficient in what you do, but you also reduce the chance of injuring yourself. So yeah, drills are very important to go through. And there's a lot of examples of drills on YouTube that a lot of coaches put up and they're really good just to watch them and then see how it goes. The only problem with that is you watch someone do drills that's very good out them they look easy the problem is they're not easy so yeah you got to get someone to show you and take you through it and you just build up each week and get better out of it i guess and yeah a lot of kids start with doing them when they're little like a little ass or they might start when they're at high school so once i've done them for five years they're just beautiful to watch so we're, we're talking to runners what's the number one running injury that you see from recreational runners um oh. I wouldn't say number one. I'll give you three. I reckon if you look at each part of the body, often uh, um, the calf. So you might look at an Achilles calf injury. Um, they seem to grab a lot of runners, especially guys in their 40s, late 30s, they come back and do a calf. Uh, so a calf's a pretty common one. And other ones we often heard as runner's knee, and that's got to do with um, the quads and imbalance through the knee and loading. And the third one's probably to do with your hips and your glutes. So I reckon if you picked out the most common one, I'd pick out one for each joint, and it would be the ankle joints more, the Achilles, the calf, the knees more what we call the runner's knee, and then the glutes sort of peripheral performance injuries probably the more the one for the hips and are these all just because people get into it too soon too too excited or is it bad technique yeah spot on i reckon there's probably about four or five or six or ten different reasons why people can get these sorts of injuries so an example is poor running technique example is wearing the wrong shoes um doing too much running whether that's in duration doing too many kilometers too soon or intensity all of a sudden you start running too hard too soon uh, another example is overload. You've just done too much. So don't get actually injured during the running, but it's fatigue. So when you start to fatigue, you biomechanically start to change the way you run, and that also sets you up for a lot of these problems. So really anywhere from training to your own conditioning to environments to footwear, all these different little things can add up to little injuries. Okay, so <laughs> let's focus on me for a minute here <laughs> because – why not use my podcast to get um, some personal advice? So my piriformis issue, it's, it's caused not by running, it's caused by other complications of pregnancy and sleeping and things like that, Also, I'm told. It's already happened. I'm in pain now. What can I do to um, ease off on the pain so that I can actually keep moving and not do park runs that take two hours? Perfect. So there's a lot of things you've got to weigh up there. Um, when you've just said how it's come from pre- pregnancy and that, um, if it was simple as that, then every lady that got pregnant would have the same problem. So there's obviously another element to it than just simply being pregnant. Um, might be conditioning, might be training. So with piriformis, what you want to be doing is there's a uh, spiky ball. Um, yep. I got a lot of my athletes to use a spiky ball against the wall to self-massage through the glutes and the piriformis. It's the same thing as going to get a massage from someone else, but the best thing about it is you can do it whenever you want. You come home for a run, 
you don't need to go book in for a massage, you've got your spiky ball. So I use a spiky ball first of all to help loosen the muscles, the piriformis, the glutes, get around towards the TFL, the hip flexors. So you really loosen not just the piriformis, but the muscles around the area. So the spiky ball is really good for that. Then you can get on the foam roller and do it through your quads. And the quads really help free that up there. Um, a lot of people use the foam roller for the ITB, which connects into the piriformis and the performs the glutes which run through the area. So again, I wouldn't foam roller the ITB. I just use a spiky ball through the glutes and the TFL and the piriformis, foam roller through the quad. That's the first thing I do. The last two things that I do is look at stretching, both the glutes and the quads, along with heat. If you get a lot of heat through your glutes and your lower back, they warm up like an elastic band and they start to stretch more. And I don't know if you might get a bit of um, what they call sciatic symptoms down through the back of your leg. And that often comes when the piriformis tightens up and pushes or compresses somewhere near the sciatic nerve. So if you loosen the whole area, that helps. The other part of getting your piriformis sorted out is looking at both your running technique, your gait, and also your strength through, you know, obviously you've been pregnant, so you want to look out through your pelvic floor, your lower abs, your core. Make sure that's all balanced so when you're running, you're not collapsing through that piriformis side of your body and loading it up too much. Okay. I like the heat thing because I've, I've been walking around with a heat pack and I literally um, sat on a train to park run for half an hour on Saturday morning with the heat pack freshly microwaved <laughs> underneath my butt on the way there so that I could get through the morning and it helped. So that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad that's working. I like all the stuff you're telling me because it's, yeah, it's not very expensive to just you know, it looks a bit ridiculous if you're at work and you're leaning up against a post with a spiky ball and rubbing up and down, but I've got some very understanding workmates, so I'm sure they'll um, let me get a... It's the crazy pregnant ladies doing weird stuff again, so that all works. Yeah, it'll get you back, it'll get you back out there. And the key with all the advice I give, um, people are often looking for that one bit of advice, with a lot of these injuries like your piriformis or your runner's knee, it's three or four little things to help fix the problem. It's more of a puzzle. And if you're missing one or two pieces and do the other two well, it often doesn't work. And that's why I was saying the, the spiky ball along with the heat. And when you're sitting on the train going to work, you can quite easily do a piriformis stretch sitting there. It might look a bit weird, as you said, but at least you'll get out for a run and feel better. Exactly. Now, before we let you go, Steve, last time we had you on the podcast, were you a world champion? Uh, no, I wasn't a world champion. <laughs> now, are you, now? are you a world champion now? Are you a world champion now? I am an aged world champion. So I won the Masters 35 to 39, 3,000 metres uh, world champs at the indoors a couple of weeks ago. So I wouldn't classify myself as a world champion. If you put the words aged world champion, I'd then probably consider yes. No, you're focusing on the detail too much, Steve. I'd be going, I'd be walking around saying world champion. And the, the connection I was trying to make is when, that we're, we're partially responsible. Got to take credit for, yeah. for some things. In all seriousness, um, you ran on the indoor track. Yeah, you won your event. How, how did it go? How did you find the experience of, firstly, the indoor track? Uh, well, like one of the best things about park run is people go it and enjoy it and just be part of running that's why i went to the world indoors not because i wanted to win a medal it's just about being a part of it and i've never run on an indoor track before the atmosphere is great so for me it was about the experience like people get up on eight o'clock on a saturday morning it's about being a part of it and doing something for yourself and for me it was an amazing experience i met a lot of great people out there the race itself i was against some really good spanish guys and it was very tactical so the race itself was just 
you know, it was ideal and I ran it to the best of my ability and won, fortunately enough. But like I said, everyone, it was it's more than the race. The race was itself brilliant, but everything around it was just great. And I was out there watching people in the 90 age group category do a 3,000 meter race. It's just phenomenal. Like you just, if you want to get inspired, go watch the master races. And don't worry about the 35s, the 40 guys. Go watch the 70s or 80s uh, or 90s. Uh, one of the Australian ladies won a, ran the world record for the 73,000 metres in Lavinia. So for me, it was experience and I get inspired by things like that. You know, I've got some great training partners that represent Australia and go to Rio and that inspires me on one level, but this inspires me on a totally different level, which is j- just as worthy, I think. Yeah, how, how quickly does a 90-year-old get around 3,000 metres? Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> not that quick okay. uh, when you look at it. It wasn't that quick, but if you look at the uh, 70s, a couple in the 70 age group were actually moving pretty well. I was uh, quite inspired by a few of the 70 year olds thinking, I don't think I'll be going that quick when I'm 70. And you know, as I said, they're probably going, you know, for the 70 year old guys are probably going 4.10 per K, maybe under four minute K pace. That's pretty impressive in my view. If you're at 75 running under 12 minutes or around 13 minutes for 3K, you're pretty good at my, my books. If you can do 3K when you're over 90, I think that's pretty damn good. <laughs> a lot of them can't make it to their letterbox. Yeah, and that's it. And they were, oh, there was a couple of guys in their 70s doing pole vault. It's just insane. Oh I'd be able to jump over a, a toy box at that age, let alone use a pole vault. They're just inspiring. No doubt. So thanks, world champion background adventure coach Steve Deneen for joining us this week. Thanks for having me once again. Now we're going to chat to a man who's literally just come in from a run. Welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers, Mac Sawa from Lilydale Lake Parkrun. Hi, Scott. Hi, Mel. Now, Mac, you like to run. Let's set the scene for the listeners. Uh, what's your longest run to date so far this year? We're just talking about this year. Just this year? Um, well, that would have been a couple of weekends ago. Um, 198.5 kilometres. In a 24-hour event. So you're one of those guys, one of those guys who can run for 24 hours straight. That's it. How did you get to that point? Let's start there. Let's talk about Mac, the ultra-endurance runner, before we get on to Lilydale Lake Park run. How did you become an ultra-runner? Well, I mean, I guess my story is similar to a lot of people. Um, I, back in 2010, went uh, on a holiday over to the US for three and a half weeks uh ate and drank my way literally across the u.s and uh came back almost 15 kilos heavier than when i uh had left so supersized yeah that's it so um to get the weight off i um i just thought running would be the easiest option and um after you know a little while the weight came off pretty quickly and in the process i found that i enjoyed running so started doing a few events, you know, 5K, 10K, um, up to half marathon distance. And then I ran um, six full marathons um, in the space of two years. And then uh, did another three, which the times were very similar um, finishing times. And then I thought, well, what do I do? Do I really put in the effort to try and get my marathon 
uh, time down or do I look for another challenge? And um, I thought it might be easier to try running further. So I got on to ultra running in that way. You thought it might be easier to run further. <laughs> Rather than trying to get quicker, yeah. So this was the path, the lesser of two evils. Yes, correct. And and where does that end then? Because, you know, as ultra runners, they are definitely a breed unto themselves. Where, where does it stop? How? Where do the kilometres stop? <laughs> um, I mean, it's never-ending. Uh, you can reach the, you know, higher and, and further goals. Um, so there are events like 24-hour events and 48-hour and events um that you can uh you can continue to try and you know run further so you know um it's as far as you you can your body can take you i get the long distance stuff but the the not sleeping stuff i think that's part of the challenge how did you go with that sure yeah um i mean definitely fatigue is is one of the the big factors in this um you know when you do 12 hour 24 hour 48 hour events and um you know it's it's a, it's a timed event so if you want to uh if you feel the need you can stop you can run for 12 hours sleep for two hours and then get back going again for for the remainder but obviously if you stop uh then you won't get um you know, uh, the amount of distance. Um, so it's just a matter of trying to stay on your feet, trying to keep moving. Um, you know, um, there's a lot of Coca-Cola being drank, um, a lot of food, a lot of sugary food uh, to keep you awake as well. So I was pretty lucky. I had some mates come down during the night and they ran a few laps with me. So, um, you know, that helped to, to keep me awake and keep me focused. And let's turn our attention to Lilydale Lake Parkrun, where you're the event director. Lilydale Lake's two laps around the lake. Um, you haven't ever thought about doing an endurance event around the lake, have you? Uh, no, no, I haven't. <laughs> um, not at this stage. So describe Lilydale Lake for us. What's what's the vibe there? Sure. Um, so um, it's a uh, it's nice man-made man -made lake. Um, it's two and a half kilometres in distance uh, for one lap, so it makes it easier for us. Two laps, um, and lately we've had some construction going on on part of the uh, the course, so we've had to alter it a little bit. But we're just about to um, they're just about to finish the construction on that. So. Um, yeah, it's nice, leafy. Um, there's playground. There's um, you know plenty of scenery. A lot of rabbits. Um, you know, on a cold summer, uh, cold morning. So um, yeah, and we're getting um, we're getting consistently 170 to 180 people per week, uh, which is great. Um, we had 205 on the weekend, so we're pushing up around that 200 mark, which is still manageable. Um, you know, too much more and uh, we'd have to start putting on more volunteers. But, um, yeah, it's a great community, uh, great vibe. We get a lot of good feedback from um, adventurers uh, saying they love our course and how friendly all of our runners are. So, yeah, it's great. Mac, you, it sounds like you've been into this running caper for a little while. So, obviously, you were doing the much longer distances before Park Run came along for you. Is that would that be a correct assumption? Yeah, that's right. 
So what attracted you to parkrun in the first place then? Um, well, I, I came across it by accident. Um, just I used to run laps down at the lake while my wife did a PT session down there every Saturday morning. So I'd go along and I'd just run laps while she had her one-hour session. And then one day I just saw a sign up saying parkrun starting here. So I went along to the launch and um, and I, in the past, I had basically done all of my training on my own. I saw this as something that I can um, incorporate into my training as a social run, meet some new people, meet some like-minded individuals. And um, yes, yeah, so um, that's how it started. And uh and I find I use parkrun a lot of the time as almost like a speed session, a quick 5K run um, just to see where I'm at in my training. And, um, yeah, so that's been really good for that. And, Mac, you've wanted to turn running into a career. That's correct, yeah. Um, I've uh, About 18 months ago, I quit my job of 13 years uh, working at a, um, at a desk job and went and did a personal trainer course. And I've also done level one and level two in the um, Athletics Australia run coaching courses. So I'm in the process now of uh, trying to get a run coaching business up and going. And what inspired you to do that? Did Parkrun have any links? Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, I love watching everyone's progress at Parkrun. And uh, I just want to go, you know, I have such a passion for running. I want to share that with as many people as I can and help people, you know, improve and reach their goals, Um, branch out, you know, have their 5K Parkrun, but try and reach for, you know, their first 10K event or half marathon and, um, yeah, help them towards that process. So it's... It's aimed at pretty much anyone, irrespective of their le- the level they're starting at. Definitely, yep. You know, I, I'm still yet to work out the details, but things like couch to 5K um, and, you know, getting people from, you know, being able to run, you know, the full park run and then reaching for goals beyond that. Now, you've got the anniversary coming up in a couple of weeks down at Lilydale. What is yes. that, three years? You've been around for three years now? Yeah, so it'll be our third anniversary, so looking forward to that one. What have you got planned? Have we got a theme this year? We do. Um, we threw a few ideas around, but we came up with um, being the third birthday. We've gone with the third letter of the alphabet, which is C, for those people who don't know. Um, we're hoping to see a lot of people dressed up and make an effort and hopefully break our attendance record, which was for our second anniversary of 258 people. So hopefully we can get close to that 300 mark. Well, good luck. Now, you weren't the founding event director. Our, um, no. Our board member, Matt Fullerton, was, and I just wanted to say that so he could hear his name on the podcast. But thank you very much, yeah, Matt. Yeah, he'll be happy. Yeah, he will. Uh, do the groupies still show up? Do Matt's groupies still show up down at Lilydale? Yeah, yeah, occasionally. Yeah, when the weather's nice. <laughs> okay. They're fair weather groupies. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> But we've got Mac. Mac, thanks for joining the Parkrun Adventurers this week and have fun in a couple of weeks at your anniversary. All right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Mel. It's 
It's Easter this weekend, which means two things, Mel. It means people are on holidays, so they're out adventuring. But it also means that there's lots of chocolate around, which means you have to work that chocolate off somehow. Which means you have no excuse not to get to a park run this weekend, where there's a good chance there might be more chocolate to consume at said park <laughs> run, because lots of events will be doing Easter-themed runs. Maybe they will. Maybe Cottesloe and Mackay, who are having their anniversary this weekend, have worked Easter into their theme. Who knows? We hope Mackay's up and going again this weekend. They were a little bit wet last weekend, weren't they? Yeah. But on that, good to see Hamilton Island and Ely Beach were back up and running last weekend. It was, and hopefully it won't be too much longer until the other Cyclone Debbie, etc. affected events actually get cleaned up and running again, which includes Lismore, who are having their third crack <laughs> at trying to celebrate their first anniversary. Yeah. Good luck, Lismore. We hope you get to celebrate this weekend. We have no launches. There were good reports coming out of Georgetown last week for Tasmania's fourth event. They got Everyone's good very excited. Yeah. And well, they should be. There's a lot of statesmen who lost their title on the weekend. <laughs> and there are a lot of people who are international statesmen as in their statesmen in Tasmania but it is not their local area and so there will be some over the straight trips so people can get their statesmanship back. I think a lot of people will be chasing that a lot in Tassie this year. I didn't see any photos on Instagram from the Georgetown launch but I did see some photos, some cracking ones. I know Robbo was out freedom running at Barrel on his way to Canberra to run another marathon with his top off. I saw Achilles <laughs> it's were out a trend. and about. Yeah, the Achilles group were out and about at Mossman on the weekend. So we want to see on Instagram this week, we want to see the Parkrun Adventurers hashtag go nuts for your Easter and adventuring parkruns. On Saturday. Yes. School holidays, great time to adventure and drag the kids someplace else that they're not usually running. Get them some adventure marks up on the tourism board. And absolutely with the Instagram, especially, you know, we, we have had some great ones lately. And yes, as adventurers ourselves, we've been rather remiss to post on Instagram but we do like a lot of Instagram posts that other people do and we do follow what other people are doing. So we'll try to post more frequently ourselves as well. Yep, we Mark posted this week. from Darwin. <laughs> <laughs> we did post this week. Okay, that's it for us, Mel. Short and sharp this week. Yes, a nice sweet one. One, one thing I didn't mention earlier is that in my trip and the, all the excitement of going to Melbourne, my cello streak got broken because I didn't travel with my cello and I did not have time to chase down cello stores to play <sighs> under a ruse. So streak is broken, but a new one has to start. Well, and that may as well be today. Okay, you go off, do your fiddling, 
and I'll want to report next weekend and hope there's seven more nights of fiddling to report on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I can manage that. Have a good week, Scotty. Thanks, Mel. You too.